This is Quid, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, starting something awesome, and maybe even kicking your corporate stooge job to the curb. I'm Dan Benjamin. This is episode number 108. And sitting in, as usual, here in Austin headquarters, Hattie Cook. We're the headquarters the of Austin. Well, look up, look up in the sky right there. Look at that. What Where? is that? Where? Look up in the sky. We get those uh, those um, planes that fly the advertisements. Yeah, it's usually like Apple Sport Imports and things like that. Which reminds me, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that on Patreon. There's, but you know what? I have an email right here. I'll start. I'll open with this, Hattie. This is an email from listener Neil. Hi, Neil. Neil says, "Hi, Dan." To add to your point about moving from sponsors to Patreon, it's great for longtime listeners to continue to support the shows. In the last four to five years. I haven't really been able to support the show because most of your sponsors are subscription services. So I still have an active Squarespace site, Linode server, all my domains on Hover. I really appreciate being led to all those great services, but it isn't really something you can sign up for each week to support the show. Keep up the good work, Neil. That's sweet of Neil to say. But I think, I think Neil is, uh, is making a good point, and that is we would love for, to have this be a, a primarily listener-supported show. We certainly have the listenership, Hattie. Right. If every one of the, our listeners, and this never happens, but just imagine if every one of our listeners gave us a dollar a month, how do we, we'd, I'd only need to do a couple shows. I know. It would be crazy. It would change That's all everything. a doll, like one dollar would change everything. People think, we've talked about that. People think that we're like sitting pretty on sitting some kind comfy. of ivory throne or something. We're, we're, we're not. Like I'm sitting on a throne of like Barbie doll heads. You know, we're making our, our rent and our salaries, but it's not like we're like, you know. We're not rolling in rent, it. Renting a, a bulldozer to push the piles of cash around. No. Don't. I used to think when I was a kid that people who did like, uh, people who did radio DJs and things like that, I thought they were like millionaires. And I'm, there are a few, but that's it. Because like what they're doing is so cool. Yeah, of course they must be rich to do. Like they're on the radio. Like they're like driving a Corvette and staying in a penthouse apartment downtown. Nope. So thank you, Neil. If you would like to support the show, five by uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. It's a place to go. That's all the shows that I do. You'd be supporting all of the shows that I do by going there and, uh, and helping pay our rent and salaries. The dollar is fine. Five dollars, even better. Now, should I do more emails, Hattie, or should we... Uh, do you want to do emails first, or... We could do emails first. Let's do that. And then if we have time, we can talk about the two things that we... All right. I, I picked out, I picked out of all the emails that came in, they were all very good. But I did... Uh, I, I found two that I wanted to read, in addition to that one that I just just read. Uh, and so I hope, I hope that these are interesting to people. Because, you know, that we want to make this show as interesting as possible. So here's an email from uh, Brian in Canada. I just wanted to write to give you an update about some advice you gave way back on episode 66 at the 54 minute mark. I already like listener Brian. Me too. Recap. I'm in my early 40s. I wanted to quit my job and start consulting 
and I wanted to go all in on it. Your advice was to build my new business while I was still at the job I was at and to leave when I had enough clients to leave. And that, that sounds like the kind of advice I would give, don't you think? Yes. <laughs> it's a little bit conservative. It says, yeah, you know, screw your boss, forget them. Screw the company you work for. They're not, they're not out looking out for you. But don't walk away from something that's providing Good income. your income and, yeah. and you know, putting food on the table unless you're miserable and, and it's affecting your mental or physical health. So here he continues. It will be two years in August since I made the leap and it's been amazing. Yay! At the end of my first year, I was making about $30,000 a year less than what I made in my old job, but I felt like it could only go up. This year, I've been basically doubling the amount of money I make every month. Wow. It's gotten so busy that I hired someone new. That's awesome. I've had the support of my amazing wife who even during the lean months, and, and that has meant everything to me. For those out there who want to make the big leap, here's a little bit of advice from someone who's been there and he has seven points. I like it. I like it. I like it organized. Number one. Pay off as much debt as you can. I had both of my cars paid off, no credit card debt, but I did have a small line of credit that had a bit of money on it. And this is something that I have, I have talked about over and over and over and over again. If you can live essentially debt-free, I mean, that, that is absolutely key to being able to do the kinds of things that you want to do. That is the most powerful way to empower yourself is not having debt. Now, let me explain a little bit more carefully what I, what I define as debt, because I think different people in different countries and times, of course, have different opinions. I'll tell you what I mean. First and foremost, credit card debt. Yep. That is something that's incredibly easy to, to rack, rack up. up. Yep. Yep. It really is. You give someone a credit card and you say, all right, go do what you want. All right, well. I don't even think my sister has a credit card because that's how she keeps her spending in check. You know, it's if so she doesn't easy. have it in her account, then she doesn't buy it. Or, you, you know, know, your friends say, hey, do you, you know, do you want to go grab some lunch? Yeah, sure. Let's go to lunch. And uh, what do you want to get? Oh, you know, there's this new place. It's a sushi place. We should go try it. You try it. All of a sudden, you, you just spent $50 on lunch. Right. You do that three, four times a week. Guess what? You're racking up some credit card debt. It's that easy. Forget the actual bigger purchases that you need to do. You need to get your, you know, your kid needs a cavity filled or something and you get a co-payment you know that type of thing it's very easy to rack that up first and foremost maintaining no credit card debt that's huge a lot of people consider cars uh, and car payments as debt and that's because they're generally speaking cars are uh, losing money all the time the minute that you start the car and drive it off the lot it has begun to lose value a lot of people don't want to buy a used car. I don't blame you. I don't like used cars very much. But that's one way to avoid that huge, huge loss at the top end of your, uh, at the top end of your loan when you get a car. But if you want a new car, it's fine. You, you pay the price for that. But cars lose value. So every single day that you have your car, it's worth a little bit less. Even if you don't park it, even if all you do is wash and wax it and keep it in a garage, unless it's some kind of limited edition or an antique vintage car it's not ever going to be worth anything close to what you paid for it so that's why people will say oh i have car payments 
Uh, cars become an asset once they're completely paid off. They're not much of an asset. You'd be shocked at how little the car that you own is actually worth, especially if you want to get cash for it. If you want to trade it, you might get a little bit better. But you understand what I'm saying, that that's, that's something where you're losing money on that. So paying that off, that's wonderful because then you own that thing and you don't have to worry about making payments on something that's primarily interest. You can get some good deals on auto loans nowadays. But not having that extra payment will make all the difference in the world. Student loans is another big one. Student loans, that's a racket. And there's not much you can do about that Other than that pay one. it off. <laughs> yeah. Other than pay it off or find some company that's going to roll it in. But these are the kinds of things that if you're sitting there making, making decent money at your job, if you're making decent money at your job and you think, well, I could save the money, you can't save the money. If you have $10,000 in your bank account. Because you're going to have to pay that off at some point. And you owe $15,000 on your car and $50,000 on your student loan. Well, it's nice to have that money in the bank, but those payments aren't going to go away by themselves. And having that money sitting there versus paying off the thing that you're eventually going to have to use that money for to yeah, pay, pay it, it down, off with, it down, then go ahead and just pay it. <laughs> you don't have true freedom until you have financial freedom. Right. Pay it down. Pay down everything. Pay it all away until there is nothing left. And you will feel amazing the day that you make that last car payment, that last payment on your home loan. Gosh, that would be insane. Most people have a 30-year loan. 15 sometimes. But you know, I always like remember when my uh, my father-in-law was like, yeah, we just made our last house payment. Last one. We own it now. I own my own car. I own the car completely. And that's wonderful. My wife, uh, we finally paid off her car. So we have no car payments now. I never I think, want another car payment again. I think my parents just paid off their house like maybe a year or two ago. Pretty cool. It's very cool. And right, his second tip Go get a line of credit while you have a job. You will likely never need it, but if you do, it's way easier to get it when you have a job than when you're starting your own thing. Now, for people who don't understand exactly what a, when he's talking about like a, a business line of credit, because that's a term that people use a lot. A block. A block? Business line of credit block. Oh, I'm, you know what? I've never, <laughs> I've never heard it that way. You know what? I don't think it is that way, but, okay. I, but it's my way. <laughs> well, they do call they do call it a lock. So I thought you were. I, that's like tell line of credit. You know. Yeah, lock is a, lo- a line a, of credit. I think block would be fine to to say. I like it. All right. Well, usually a bank will work with a customer to establish some kind of maximum amount that the borrower can take. And but what's different about this line of credit? from like a a regular loan. Like let's say a regular loan. Let's say you let's say you want to go and buy a car and the car is going to cost $30,000. What's going on is you're borrowing $30,000 from a bank and the bank might be through that car company that you're getting the car from. That's frequently the case and they'll give you very competitive rates. But you'll go there and essentially you're getting a loan for $30,000 minus whatever you put down. Let's say you put down 5k. So you're getting a loan for $25,000. You're going to pay that off every month, mostly interest for a long time, and then eventually start to pay down the actual value of of the car until it's paid off. 
a line of credit is a little bit different and it's used very frequently in businesses because what they basically do is they say, you know what, you can access a certain amount of money. And let's say it's, let's say it's $20,000. You can access as much of that $20,000 as you want or need because that's built in flexibility into a line of credit. You don't have to use all of that $20,000. You can use however much as you, as you choose to use at any time up until that amount. And you only pay interest on the amount that you spend, not on the entire credit line. And then you can adjust your repayment amounts whenever you want. So if you have a bunch of cash flow, you could say, oh, good, we're going to pay the whole thing off right now. Or you can make the minimum monthly payments in the leaner times. So this is also what they call a revolving account. So you can spend the money, then you repay it, then you spend it again in this kind of never-ending cycle. And this is very different from, again, from like a mortgage or a car loan or whatever, because those are what, what are called installment loans, where you, you borrow a set amount of money and you pay that off in installments on a regular basis. You can, you can spend more, you can pay off more, but that's not going to change how much your next monthly payment is. And you can't use the money that you've already paid back. That's gone back to the bank now. So a line of credit is, uh, is really useful if you are going into some kind of a business where you think, oh, I might have a lean time. I might have a time when I'm not going to have any money coming in. And during that time, well, I still need to run my business. I still need to you know, pay myself. I still need to do other things. So I think that's pretty good advice. Yeah. I don't I don't know if if I would recommend someone start out by doing that uh like like Neil does but uh I I don't disagree so I'll leave that there. Number 3, make sure your mortgage is not coming up for renewal for a couple of years. Again, before I jumped, I made sure all my financials were in order. You're going to know if your mortgage is coming up for renewal. There there I mean you're going to know that, but I think that's a great idea. You want all of that squared away. What does away. that mean, Dan? Well, there are adjustable rate mortgages uh, and an adjustable rate mortgage is different from a, uh, a, a, a static mortgage where you oh. get a specific rate, that rate stays the same for the entire duration of your mortgage. Instead, you can get a variable rate mortgage where typically in the beginning, it's a very, very low rate, aggressively low rate. So you're paying much less. And then after a certain period of time, it will adjust. And it, that it, will, you, it always adjusts higher. I mean, I guess in theory it could go lower, but they never, it never goes low. So you're going to wind up uh, having that mortgage adjust and you don't want that to happen while you're counting your pennies. I think, at least I think that's what he's talking about. Right. I guess that's good advice. Four, put aside 25% of every dollar you make for taxes. My first tax bill was $15,000. Luckily, I had a nice cushion in savings because I knew this would be coming. I don't agree with number four at all. I've always said on this show many times, 30%. I don't think 25% is, is going to be enough. And I like to be very yeah. conservative about that. I like to say, you know what? I put away 30, 30%. 
And you know what? It came in at 22. Isn't that awesome? Because now you got a little bit of extra money in there that you didn't know that you were going to have. So he says 25% good. That 25% would be good. 30 would be safe. 30 would, that's what I think. Three out of every $10 you make. 30 cents of every dollar bill. Leave it in the bank account. And when you get that tax bill, you're like, okay, cool, no sweat. I expected this. And you know what? I overcompensated. Now I have some left. That's cool. Now I can go get that desk that we needed. Number five, he says, before you leave your job, half your clients lined up. I had my first two gigs lined up before I quit. I've said that again yes. and again and again on this show. Right. It's not, okay, I quit. And, okay, now it's time to start looking for some clients. But see, I'd even, <laughs> I, again, I'd even take a step more conservative and say, don't have your clients lined up. Already be working Already for them. be working for them. Yeah. If you have them lined up, guess what? Their budget just got canceled. Your contact just got fired or quit. Now what right. are you going to do? A perfect example would be a long time ago, we used to have a, a sponsor. And they would, every single month, re-up, 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 pay for a whole bunch of shows. And the guy who was working there, super cool, super easy to work with, he decided he was going to go get another job. He introduced me to his, uh, to his replacement. And we had, the three of us were on a phone call. It was a great call. Right. And you were feeling good about super it. Super excited. Like, wow, this guy's like into it and everything else. And uh, the first guy left. And uh, I contacted the second guy a few weeks later and I said, hey, you know, I wanted to, to see if we could nail something down for Q2. Uh, you know, let me know. We can hop on a call or we could do it by email, whatever's easiest. And he wrote back and said, I don't like podcasts. I'm not going to be sponsoring anything. I don't think it works. And that was a huge chunk of, uh, of money that we were essentially, I mean, I wouldn't say we were relying on it, but it was money we were expecting to get because we'd gotten it every month of every quarter of every year for a couple of years. All of a sudden, no, we're not doing that. Why? I don't like it. Right. Just I, that's my decision. So you know, lining, <laughs> lining up client work is great, but until you actually get them to sign and start, yeah, and start getting that payments and start getting that thing in process, you don't, anything could happen. It's a good advice, but I'll, I'll take it a step further. Number six, have the full support of your loved ones. There will be lean times. You need them to be behind you when that happens. Over and over again, I say that here. Don't even consider, don't even consider leaving your job or starting something new until you have absolute agreement and support from the people that are in your family that you're going to have to lean on. If you're younger and you're, you're unmarried or un, don't, have a, don't have a spouse, tell your parents what you're about to do. Because guess what? If you run out of money, like that's who you're going to be going to. If you're married, if you have a significant other who's involved in your finances in any way, you need to not just tell them, I think I'm going to do this, but you need to get their opinion on it. You need to get their buy-in on it. You need them to be behind you, cheering you on, so that when you're like, oh crap, we don't have any, uh, any income coming in right now, and I finished this one gig, which was great, but this new one, they haven't signed anything yet, we're waiting, waiting. Like when that month goes by, when there's nothing, if they were opposed to it from the beginning, guess what you're going to hear? I told you not to do it. Right. I don't know why you decided to just up and quit your job and do this thing. It was really not smart. Whereas if they're behind you and you have laid out that plan, and again, I'll, I'll explain the plan in a second. If you've laid out that plan of attack for how to make this work, then there's no surprises. There can be no disagreements or dissent. And so here's how that plan works. You set realistic but very serious goals for yourself. 
And usually they focus around two things, sources of income and amount of income. So for example, when I first started my first consulting business where I was basically just writing writing code for other people and doing web design for other people. When I quit my job, I forget exactly how much I was making. But I said, okay, in three months, I need to be making 50% of what I was making. If I'm not making 50% of what I was making in three months, I will quit doing that business and find a new job. Right, and go back. After six months, I will have to be making what I was making. If I'm not, then I will quit my job. I will quit the business rather and go back to finding a job. And then I had bigger goals for myself. If after a year I wasn't making, I think it was a third more, a quarter more, a third more, then I would give myself another three months to decide if it was going to improve or if I needed to go get another job. Because when you're running your own business, when you're working for yourself, you're working much, much harder. I don't care what you're doing. You're going to be working much, much, much harder than you ever have before. And you're going to be working more than you ever have before. Or at least you should be if you want to build some kind of real business, something really sustainable. If all you want to do is like, I got tired of working for those people. I just want to freelance and do some things here and drive around the country. Yeah, that's fine. Ignore everything I'm saying. I'm talking about building a business. I'm talking about building something that's going to last more than a year or two. Number seven, there is no perfect time. At some point, you will have to jump. That's a great point. And we probably don't talk about that enough on the show. Is The the putting it off. The putting it off. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to say, well, not not this month. Not now. You know, I'll wait till the summer. And then because in the summer, we'll have this or... Or you know what? I'm not going to do it this Friday. I'll do it next Friday because this weekend I'm doing this thing. So I need to do it next Friday. Right. (laughs) Super easy to procrastinate and put all of that stuff uh, just off on the back burner somewhere else. And of course, the risk of doing that is that you actually never will do the thing that you're setting out to do. You just won't. You just won't because you'll get comfortable. You'll find a reason. Every week there'll be a new reason. So I think that's good advice. I think that's worth mentioning is there's never a perfect time. There's a right time, but there's never a perfect time. But the sooner that you sit down and start planning this stuff out, and step one, absolutely step one, is figure out how much money you owe. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. Because in every single car payment, every single mortgage, every single loan statement, everything that you get, It will tell you how much the total amount is that you owe and and what the frequency is that you're supposed to pay that back. So you can write down that. And then step two, write down all of your expenses. Write it down on a piece of paper. Don't type it. Write it down on a piece of paper. It becomes important later. Write it down so that now you have in front of you, here's the money I owe. Here's what my monthly expenses are. And finally, here's what I'm making every month. So then you'll look at those three numbers. They're very, very important numbers. Because obviously, what you're spending should be less than what you're making. But that will show you realistically how much you have or should have left over at the end of the month. You might find out, wow, every month, you know what? That's why our bank account balance has been going up because we've been saving. Because I'm making an extra $1,500 a month beyond what, I, what my expenses are. Well, guess what? 
Start clocking that. Look at those expenses. Look at what you have saved. Look at what you're willing to spend of what you have saved. Put all of that together in your mind and say, okay, if I make this jump, because guess what? I've got clients not just lined up, but they're, I'm starting to work with them. And after those things run out in two or three months, I, I don't know what I'm going to have lined up next, or I don't know how much this business is going to be making. It's going to take you at least a month, if not two, three months in order to find a new job should you have to. So that means whatever those expenses are, you're going to need to have at least two or three times that in the bank ready to go for when you decide, if you decide that the business isn't working out or if it isn't making enough money. One thing people also, including me, haven't talked about is a lot of the time when you start out with that new business, like the, uh, like listener Neil said, he was making, you know, half of what he was making when he had a full-time job. Can you sustain that? How long can you sustain that? How much of your savings will you need to dip into, if any, to make that work? Because what if you're making $100,000 now and you're miserable and you quit and now you're making 50 or 60K a year? That's great. But what if you need- It's a big life change too, though. What if you needed 80% of what you were making? Right. You need 80K and now you're only making 50 or 60. Where's that other? And that it might take you three months, six months, a year to get to that point where you're now breaking even. It's probably not going to be instantaneous. And I guess what he's, uh, Neil's saying is that's where that line of credit can help. I'm just not a big fan of lines of credit and loans. Because then it's more debt. It's just more something else, someone else you owe. I mean, it's better than saying, oh, I had to shut down the business because I couldn't survive for two months when it was slow. Yeah, that's, that's perfectly fine. As long as you know that on the other end, it's going to come back. There are a lot of seasonal businesses that work this way. A bad example of that would be like an ice cream shop. Going to be super busy in spring and summer, right? But maybe not so busy in fall and certainly not that busy in winter. In fact, I might just close up altogether in winter. But if you've got an ice cream shop, during those good months, you want to bring in enough money so that it'll last you for those slow months, for the slow times. But if it doesn't, you might have to use something like a line of credit to say, you know what? Yeah, we know it's going to be slow in the ice cream shop in December and January. But come March... Things start to get warmer. People are starting to open up to ice cream again. So we just need something to help us get through that, that lean time. We can pay that all back come June and July. That's fine. So that's interesting advice. I like that. I like that advice. He had, he had a lot of good points, a lot of good He's advice. obviously been listening to the show. Yeah. I would like to tell you about our first sponsor, Gateway 17. Gateway 17, as, as you would say, Addy. This is an ideal conference for entrepreneurs, for people who want to go and do a business. I remember one of my biggest business inspirations, sort of a short-term uh, mentor that I had. He, one of his businesses was in scrap metal. I've told this story before on the show. That's what he did. He was like the scrap metal king of Central Florida. And you look at this guy, he did not look like a construction worker. He didn't look like he'd be dealing with scrap metal. None of that stuff. The thing was, he didn't deal with it at all. He, he had no interest in it. It was simply, he saw an opportunity. He saw an opportunity to 
buy and sell scrap metal. And that was his thing. And he made millions doing it. Because he's smart. But he looked at it as simply saying, I want to do a business. It looks like this business could be lucrative. He moved into that business and did it. He had no interest in scrap metal, scrap yards, none of that. He found people to help him, you know, do those jobs. And he did it. He put it together. He ran the business. He made money. And so many times people will stop me on the street and I'll say, Dan, I want a business. I want to sell something, but I don't have anything to sell. I can't make anything, but I really want to, I want like, I want one of those businesses that makes money for me while I sleep. How do I do that? Gateway 17. That's all I say to them. And they're like, what is that? And, you just and I say, gateway17.com. And while they're typing it into their phone, I have a signature move that I do. You've seen me do it, Hattie. <laughs> Where I'll sort of tuck, I'll tuck my head down in my shoulder and do a roll and I'll roll right out of there and they won't eat, yep. they'll be like, where did he go? And what I'm already, I'm already like three blocks away, right, like, like drinking, don't even worry about drinking it. coffee in the coffee shop, tuck and roll. And Gateway 17, this is a conference put together by the, the folks at Alibaba. Now, for those who don't know what Alibaba is, this is like the Chinese version of Amazon combined with Google. It is the Frankenstein child of the bizarre union between Amazon and Google. But it's not Amazon and Google. It's Alibaba. It's its own thing. But I'm trying to give how to give people the idea of what this means. Right, right. If you had Amazon over here and you had Google over here and they said, let's create the unification of our two entities in China, that's Alibaba. It's huge. 500 million consumers. So they have more people shopping at Alibaba than there are people in the United States. And that's pretty cool. What they've done is they've created this marketplace for buying and selling stuff. But they need U.S. businesses to come in and fill the demand. Now, they handle everything, inventory, marketing, translation, payment, shipping, returns. You just supply a product and they do everything else. Guess what? Now you're like, great, not for me. I don't have a product. That's the whole part of it. They have that too. I've told the story how I was reading an article about a guy who just, he wanted to start a business. He started seeing the benefits. He bought a pair of blue blockers to use because he was a video gamer. And he bought a pair of these things and he wore them in front of his computer. And he said, you know what? I, my eyes feel less strained. I bet other people, other video game uh, people would like this. Other computer users would like this. So he came up with a little logo and he went on Alibaba and he said, all right, I need a company who can make me custom blue blockers with my logo on them and a little cleaning cloth and a case and handle the sales process, the shipping process. Alibaba took care of all this stuff for him. And then he now has a business, running a business, selling these blue blockers. He doesn't even have to do anything. They're made and shipped directly out. And of course, he got all the free samples and everything else. It was very cool. This kind of thing, you can learn all about this at this Gateway 17 conference. It's a two-day event in Detroit, June 20th and 21st. They've got Jack Ma speaking. He's worth $20 billion. They got David Abney, the CEO of UPS. They got Charlie Rose. They got everybody. I would go just to hear Charlie Rose, to be honest. But this sounds like a great conference. But this is going to educate you and teach you everything you need to know. They're spending like a trillion dollars, these consumers over at Alibaba, and you can get right in front of them. Normally, the conference costs 500 bucks. 
Our listeners pay 125 bucks, not bad. And uh, you're going to go there. Where? Gateway17, G-A-T-E-W-A-Y-1-7.com. How do you put the wrong code in here? I don't want to shame you. No, it's road. Road? That's road work. Wow. <laughs> don't use code road. That's a different show. It's yeah, don't be, use that code. It's got to be quit, right? It's quit. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit that out. I want. No, I want, leave it. I'm leaving it. <laughs> It's Gateway one seven and the code to get the discount is quit. <laughs> and you'll pay only 125 bucks, but you got to do it before May 25th. So we're coming up on it. So get registered. I want to go to this thing. I know. Let's, let's get to Detroit. Gateway one seven code quit. Quit. Thanks for supporting uh, the show guys. I appreciate it. Find something to sell. That's right. That's all you got to do. I want to sell something, Dan. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have to use the sound by once in a while on the show. No. Okay. Um, I have one more email to do here. Good. Okay. I think I can say his name. He doesn't say not to. I'll if call you him. don't say not to. Listener Mike. Hi, Dan and Hattie. Hi. I wrote in a couple of years ago. We've been doing oh. this show for years. <laughs> Yeah, that made me feel tired when you said that. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote in a couple of years ago about not being very happy at work, but being worried about looking for work as an older programmer. I decided to stick it out. I wish he had said what advice I gave him. I decided to stick it out. Things kept getting less pleasant with management changes and priorities that seemed to shift by the hour. A few weeks ago, the new VP of our group laid off several people from my team, including me. I got a decent severance package, so I suppose staying was ultimately the right choice. I took a few weeks of time to rest and do some travel that I never had time to do. Now I'm digging into books to prep for coding interviews. I've also signed up for the outplacement service they provide and then we'll meet with them in a few days. Any suggestions on preparing for this? I think the last time I had an actual interview was about 15 years ago. I found my most recent jobs because I worked with someone in another company and they just hired me with a cursory interview. Right, because you know them. That, that's interesting. I've never actually solved coding problems on a whiteboard in front of strangers, and that kind of freaks me out. Mike. Listener Mike, I, will, uh, I, would, I love this question, and this is actually a wonderful topic because we've never really discussed in depth the interview process. We've talked about it a couple times, and, and I think we, I could do a whole show. And Hattie, please make, take, a, take a note. Take a note. Show topic, I want to devote an entire show to just good interviews because there is, it is never, you never know when you're going to have to interview. And that extends to, right directly into selling stuff too, because yeah. sitting down with a client, that's an interview. It's always an interview. Everything is an interview title for the next episode. But in this situation, he is going to actually, you know, his last interview is 15 years ago. We, I, I don't remember how old listener Mike is. But I'm going to guess he calls himself an older programmer. I'm going to guess that he's in his 30s or early 40s. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Let's just pretend he's 40. Because if you're 30, you're, you're not going to call yourself older anything. No. 35, I'm not going to call myself older anything. 45, eh, I'm a little bit older than some of these young kids coming out of college. Okay, so he's in his early 40s. And... He has not interviewed for 15 years. And in fact, his last job 
he says, what wasn't even interviewed for. So it's been more than 15 years, probably. So what is that going to be like today? What are they going to ask you to do? You hear all these horror stories of like, oh, you want to work at Google? Oh, you got to solve these crazy brain teasers and questions. I have never, ever asked a software developer or for that matter, anybody uh, that I was going to hire those kinds of questions. Go up to the whiteboard and uh, create... Well, here's a problem. Yeah, create a method that's going to search a, a, a list of items and uh, sort them by... No, if you can't do push and pop and sorting and binary sorting and that kind of stuff, like today, it's not often that you really need... Like that used to be a, a skill as far as like flexing your developer muscles was writing some <laughs> kind of, you know, they don't need to do that anymore. Because you can find, we have Stack Exchange. We have these other websites that are great that just make it incredibly easy to figure something like that out. You just do not have to worry about being asked those kinds of questions. And if they're going to ask you, like, go to the whiteboard and write me it, no. A much better thing to do would be, and I, again, I don't know what listener Mike is able to do or share. But for me, if somebody's coming to work for me as a developer, I would much rather say, is there any code samples that you wrote that you can show me? Because yeah. I can learn a lot about somebody and the way that they think from looking at their code samples. Of course, that could be forgery. Of course, they could have found it somewhere else. I'm, not, I'm, I'm past that point. If I'm interviewing somebody, I'm going to assume that they're being honest to me. And if not, it'll become very clear very, very early that they don't know what they're talking about. Well, they also, I feel like not especially in the developer world, not everybody's really ready or the type of person that is good at standing up and doing that like exactly they're they just want to sit at their desk and, and get everything done they don't need to have a big show right and they don't want a big show yeah, and I, i'm i'm all for that i think this is your opportunity to represent yourself to them accurately but also get them excited about hiring you you want to get them very excited about hiring you you want them to feel really good because this is the one chance that you really have to represent who you are, what you can do, and what you can add to their company. What you don't want to do is you don't want to talk about how much you like their company or how cool you think it is. You want to give them an actual reason why they should hire you and not somebody else. In fact, not anybody else, just you. What can you do? What can you offer that company that nobody else can offer them? You have to absolutely sell yourself. Absolutely. Because they need to understand the same way that if they were going to buy a car, we'll talk about cars a lot today. The same reason if they were going to buy a car, what is that car going to do for them? How is that car going to improve their life? Well, very quiet ride. It's fuel efficient. It's incredibly safe. It looks cool. It'll fit your whole family. Has a great warranty. It's a cool color. And then it has all these extra little features in here. It's got the backup camera. It's got the autopilot. All of this stuff is, you're saying, oh, I see how that would help my life. If I could hit a button on a keychain and the, the trunk's going to open up. And clothes too? Yeah. What if I was in the rain? I was loading groceries. That would be handy. Show them the same way that you would sell them that car. 
what having you on the team is going to do for them. How will it make their life easier? How will it make their company better? How will it help the other people on the team? So that's, listener Mike, when you go in there, that is what you are absolutely going to have to think about. That's what you are going to have to consider. That's what should be first and foremost. What makes you special. Right. For their team. Right. How will you help them? What can you bring that nobody else can bring? Yeah, exactly. So that's that's the main thing. As far as getting up in front of a, a whiteboard and solving a problem, yeah, it would scare me too. I don't want to have somebody scrutinize that. And if they ever do something like that, what they're trying to do is they're trying to see two things. One, how do you respond when, you're, when a problem is thrown your way? Can you try to solve the problem? And then two, how do you solve the problem? Because that's very real life. Oh man, we've got this crisis. This thing just happened and we need to fix it. How do you, they want to see how you approach that problem solving. And a lot of the time, it's not so much, did he get the answer right? Did she solve the problem? As much as it is, how did they go about trying to solve the problem? How did they go about trying to address the issue? But I don't, I don't know if companies like write something up on a whiteboard, I'm already like, yeah, I'm, I'm out I don't have time for that. <laughs> I'm out. But I could do a whole show just on interviews. Do them all. Hattie, I would do a mock interview with you. Well, that's why I have. Yeah, I think that would be good. What did I really have an interview? Yes. Oh yeah, I did. Didn't I? Yes, you did. You had a trial by fire. I like that better. It was beyond an interview. I mean, we did we did the interview after that, but ha- I'm I'm better at like like if you give me a task and I prove my worth by the task instead of like tell me about yourself. That's not good for me. <laughs> well, you did great. This was what a million years ago, five year, four years ago, five years ago. Four, yeah. Wait, 2012. Five years ago. We need to find out when your five-year anniversary, anniversary was. Because well, you're going to get a, a pin. Oh, yeah. This is your five-year pin. P-E-N or P-I-N? P-I-N. Oh, I for like your, that. For your baseball Like cap. a little enamel pin. Um, Be like a star for your, yeah, you put it on your cap. I like that. Well, I know it's August of 2012 is when I started. Well, then August of uh, 2017 will be your five-year. Woo! That's around the time of your birthday. Yep. And around the time of my little girl's birthday. I know. She and I are very close in birthdays. Yeah. Almost uh, almost the same day. Mm, uh, yeah, by like a couple days. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, the, uh, you know, the opportunity that you have when you're going into an interview to impress somebody. In, in Hattie's case, we were looking for, I was looking for a small office at the time coming from working from home for many, many, many years. And I guess you, you had said you were available to do an interview. I said, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at some office spaces that whole day. Why don't you just come along? Right. And, fire. and I thought, you know what? This will be a good way to test her and see what, what she can do. We'll also kind of test and see if, like, if I I'm a good fit. I know you didn't really have, like, a team of people, but, like... Everybody was, was remote doing their own... You know, like my uh, audio engineer was remote. My other people were all remote. And so it was important that, yeah, that we got along. Like we had to get along. Right. <laughs> and I remember that I didn't give you any instruction. 
when we went no. to these different offices. You just said, be here at this time. Yeah, we're going to go look at think, some offices. Did you say bring something to write with? Maybe. I don't think so. But that was a big test. Like, did, will she bring something to write with? Would she bring a pen? I'm sorry. Who wouldn't bring well, something to write you, with? you would be surprised. But I just... The, <sighs> the real estate guy that, um, that I was using picked me up. And then we met you, I think, in front of one of the, like, one of the offices. Yep. And then he drove us around. And you know what? It was a little things like that. Like, what is Hattie going to do at a place? Well, guess what? When we went in, she would look around. She started measuring the rooms. She started writing down measurements for the rooms, making notes about what the place was like, who the neighbors were, whether it was convenient parking, all that stuff. I never, I never told you to do it. I didn't ask you to do it, but I know people who would have just walked around and looked at it with me and said, yeah, this one looks pretty good. I had other people interview that were like that, but you were, you were, you were treating it as if, and this was the key, you were treating it as if it was your office already. And what were the things that you would want to do if you were getting an office for yourself? And to me, that's always been, and I commend you for that, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. But. Thank you. (laughs) That's, that's what, that's what an employer wants to see from Mike. When Mike goes out to interview, they want to see that Mike's already thinking I work here and I want to make this company a better place to work for. And I want to do a really good job. What do I need to do? They just want to see that you care. Yep. And for me, because I'm, I get so excited about anything that it's very easy. If I think for me to care about things like that, but but I also, I take pride in my work and even more so than, oh, I need to do a good job to get the job. It's more like if I went home and I was like, oh, I didn't even bring a pen. I didn't have this. I had to ask him for this. I would never let myself live it down. Right. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. <laughs> I would just beat myself up constantly for that. So, I mean, it was a little half and half, I guess. Well, you did a good job and then here it is five years later. Hopefully still doing a good job. (laughs) No? No, you're fine. (laughs) You're fine. You're doing a fine job. No. Just the silence. (laughs) It speaks for itself. Uh, Want to do anything else, Hattie? Any other topics that you've got lined up? (laughs) The show? Well, uh... You wanted to talk about when people give fake, false fake False fakes. Little false faces. (laughs) Um, That's what my great-grandmother called uh, masks. Uh, But for, uh, okay, so I think when people say like, oh, uh, there was a, um, my card was charged Yes, you're still doing a good job, Hattie. You know that. (laughs) Well, I no. You're running everything now. All I, I have know, to do is but... show up once a week for quit, and I don't know what else goes on in the company. Right. I just send you sponsor reads. You, you know what? You're actually better at telling me if you're doing a good job or not. Are you? Yes. Then I, I think you're doing a great job. Right, because I'll come to you and I'll be like, I didn't do anything today. <laughs> right. I did nothing today. Like, really? I, I looked, was you looked, you, you looked busy. You well, were typing. You were what typing. were you typing? Yeah. You've never said that. I know. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Uh, oh, you wanted to talk about um, when people say, oh, my credit card was charged or something. Oh, yeah. Instead of saying, 
I just forgot okay. to cancel it. That's yeah, a great little story here. So I run another business besides this one. What? <laughs> it is uh it is called Fireside. Fireside.fm. Best place to host your podcast. Seriously. It really is. I believe that. It is. And uh I had a customer who uh canceled uh, their account, which happens sometimes, unfortunate, but not everybody's going to stay around forever. But they had been there for a month or two, and I guess the second month they canceled. But I got an email from them. Let me see if I can find this email. I'm looking uh, to see if it is here because if it is, it's it's worth reading because they're just they were just frustrated. Well, I'm not going to be able to find it for the show, but that's all right. They basically said uh, this, uh, they forwarded the invoice that they got from our payment processor. Here it is. He says, please refund this amount to our card. This charge was not authorized and we have deleted our account. Please cancel subscription. We decided not to use the service. Thank you. So. Uh, so you, uh, the charge, the charge was, as he says, was not authorized. All right. So that's a bit fancy language. It's a bit fancy language. <laughs> uh, when usually when you sign up for a service online or anywhere, uh, by by entering in your credit card number, usually there's text there and there is an ours that says you're, you're entering this so that we can charge you. And like all subscription, like all subscription services. services. And if you cancel, that's fine. That you don't have to pay anymore after that. And we explain that. Uh, so I looked it up because unauthorized. That's strong. That's strong words, Hattie. Them, them strong words. Fighting words. So he made he made his last payment automatically. I shouldn't say he made it because it, of course, just like every other the service, payment just, went through. The payment went through uh, on the tenth. At 7.58 p.m. Now, if he had canceled any time before 7.58 p.m. on the 10th, then yes, indeed, it would have been a not authorized payment. However, he did not cancel until the 11th at 8.37 a.m. So what does this tell you? What would this, if, if you were right. being a little bit of a, of a, a, of sleuth. a, 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 a Sherlock Holmes... What would this tell you? This would tell you that the payment went through and he said, oh, crap. Right. I knew I had to cancel that piece of junk and I forgot to do it or I procrastinated or I didn't feel like it. Or I thought I, I thought it was midnight that night, not midnight. I got confused. I didn't pay attention. I didn't read. I didn't think. I didn't care. But now I, I, I don't want to pay for that. Not using it. Canceled my account already. Well, no, you, you didn't cancel. You canceled at 8.37 a.m. on the 11th after the next morning. So here's what happened. At 7.58 p.m., that email went out to you and you didn't get it. And he went, you know what? I need to cancel that tomorrow. And the next morning you woke up and you read your email and he said, oh, man, I got to cancel that thing. Oh, right. And then he canceled it. And then he sent this email. The email is not true. The email is not true. If the email, if you had deleted your account before you were due to delete it, there would not have been any charge. So here's what I said. I said, I'd be happy to refund your last payment. 
the payment was made on 510 at 758 p.m., but you didn't cancel until 511 and 837 after the payment email was sent out, missing the window of cancellation. So in fact, the charge was authorized. Again, don't worry about it. I'll process your refund today. Kind regards, Dan. Now, I did not have to do that. No. I could have said, I'm sorry. This is the time. These are the rules. Sorry. Right. Like, you missed the payment. Now, but I thought, you know what? I'm not a robot. <laughs> You're not, Dan? No. I am, I'm <laughs> You've a ni- got a soul? I'm a nice person, and I can see that they want out. It, it's not a lot of money. It's one month of one person's beta account. I don't, you know, I, it, it, it's, if it was thousands of dollars, maybe we would have to have a different conversation. But for, you know, 15, 20 bucks, and they're, they're not happy with it, they're not going to use it, of course I'll refund that. They meant to cancel. They didn't cancel in time by a, ma- a measure of hours. Right. It wasn't months and months. Right. It wasn't like they waited two weeks and then said that. But here's, so, and of course I refunded him. But here's the problem that I have. Why do it that way? Why give that answer? I, I, I can tell you why in a second, but why not just say, I for, didn't cancel in time. We're not using the service, but I didn't cancel in time and I just got my bill. Could you please refund it? We're not going to be using the service. And I'd say, oh, I'm so sorry you didn't like it. Of course, I'll refund it. But now everybody's above board. Everybody's being straight up for And I'll tell you exactly why. I think there's two reasons. Well, I'll tell you what I think. And then I would love to hear what you think. What I think as far as the reason is simple. Uh, he thought I might say no. Right. And so he needed to use stronger language. Right. Unauthorized. Not authorized to do oh, this. And it immediately puts you at blame instead of him. So are those your two reasons? Uh, my second reason is uh, guilt. He felt dumb and was like, oh, man, well, I'm just going to ignore that I, ignore the feeling that I was dumb and forgot. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the other reason. Well, February 1st of 1988, a Star Trek The Next Generation episode 11001001 came out. <laughs> This is the 15th episode of the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, this episode featured, and there, spoiler alert, uh, there is, uh, this episode features a new race, alien race called the Binars. Now, the, uh, the Binars are essentially beings of pure logic beyond Vulcans there. They work and think essentially in binary and there's two of them because they're binary to, you know, a zero and a one. Right. And what they do is they, a spoiler alert, they take over the enterprise relatively easily. And they set a, 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 they create some kind of failure in the warp core, and then they have a like a self destruct thing, and they, uh, that well, the self destruct is from the, uh, I think like Picard orders that because they think that the binars are going to do something terrible with the ship. So the binars then cancel the self destruct because they're in full control now. 
they upload a ton of information to the enterprise computers and all this other stuff that's going on. But then, and, and meanwhile, Picard, Riker, they're all figuring out what's going to go on. It's because the Binar homeworld, the star, uh, was going to have uh, some kind of supernova thing happen. And so that would create this huge EMP, electromagnetic pulse, that would knock out all the Binar's computers, wipe all the data, everything. And so that would essentially kill them because they're fully like computer integrated. They are like living computers. And, uh, and, and so that's why they uploaded essentially like all of the knowledge and consciousness of all of them up on the enterprise's computer. And then once the EMP happens, boom, download it back to the binars again. Now the binars on the planet are like, Oh, we're fine. We didn't get wiped out because we've been reuploaded. And so the whole time, at the end of it now, Picard is like, why didn't you just ask us for help? We would have helped you. Starfleet, like we're Starfleet. Of course we're going to help you. And the Bonners were like, you could have said no. And that's the actual line from the show. You could have said no. (laughs) They could not risk that maybe Starfleet would say no. Because if, if Starfleet said no, then Starfleet would it make it even harder for them to, uh, you know, actually get in there and 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 take over because they'd be looking for it. You know, like if you're if you're going to steal a candy bar from a gross from a, a convenience store, you don't go in and say, uh, "Where are the Snickers at?" Oh, they're right over here, right there. Yeah, can you see them? If I'm standing like this, if the back your back is turned and the camera can it pick the <laughs> you don't do that. You just go right. in and. You, Steal a candy bar, I guess. This is what these guys were doing. They were stealing the Enterprise. And they, had, they knew they were going to do it. They didn't, they, maybe Starfleet would have said no. They couldn't chance that. There was a chance. They couldn't chance it. It was their whole civilization depending on it. So they were doing something bad. Even though they might have been told yes. And it would have been a gift. Maybe the, the guy running a convenience store is going to say, you know what? Help yourself to the candy bar. You're a good customer. You get gas here every week. Have one on me. You don't know. He, he, he might say no. So The worst they can say is no. Right, but they couldn't handle that. That was right. too much. So this is exactly what, I, what I'm thinking happened with this guy. He thought I might say no, but that $15 was more important than his integrity. The $15 was more important than admitting a fault. The $15 was too important to, than just admitting the guilt. He did not want to hear the answer. No, no, that charge was unauthorized. Unauthorized. But you have, you did authorize it. Yeah, he authorized it. <laughs> he authorized it by not canceling in time. But the point is, that kind of straightforward honesty, emailing and saying, what if he had said, Dan, I have a problem. I meant to cancel, but I didn't do it in time. Is there anything you can do? Is there anything you can do? Or anything I can do? Or anything I can do? Is it too late? And so I would look it up and I'd say, oh, so you know what? I see that you canceled. No big deal. You got a refund. Like, duh. No problem. And everyone would have been above board about it. And there are little things like this that happen all the time. They happen in your work. They happen in your personal life. Little things like that. And I say, don't, don't be afraid, honey. Just yeah, don't be. lay it out there. 
And you know what? The best kind of humor is self-deprecating humor. People generally like people who are aware of their themselves and aware of their own mistakes. Listen to John Roderick, for example. He knows exactly how to poke fun at himself. He thinks he's he's uh, pretty pretty uh, kind of I would say almost worse off than he really is. He kind of I, you know what I mean like his his image of himself is. I think we like him more even than he does. Does that make sense? Like we're I'm a yeah. bigger fan of him than he is of himself. Be be okay with that. Like like oh what a what a moron I was. I forgot to cancel. Can you give me the refund anyway? Then I'm going to be more inclined to be like, oh, dude, I've done the same thing. Of course you can have it back. Whereas you come on, this is not authorized. I just don't, I just don't know how to, I don't understand it. I know, I don't either. Binars. All right, what else you got? Uh, the other thing was a text that you sent me and I said, oh, that'd be a really good quit topic. Yeah, I sent you that, uh, I think yesterday. What was that? Floating, it's loading. Loading. Okay. Felix Krauss at KraussFX tweeted, what companies think developers need in an office? Open floor plan, ping pong, slides, yoga. Mm-hmm. What we actually need, a quiet space with Wi-Fi. <laughs> Such a good point. I have a lot to say about this. Yeah. Before I do, let me tell you about Squarespace. What? Make Squarespace? your next make your next move with Squarespace. You can go there and you can just get a domain now. You don't even have to get a website with them. Just a domain. They do that. Beautiful award-winning designer templates. You can make a full-on online store. It's an all-in-one platform. It does everything, every single thing. Whatever you want to do. You're a business person? Sure. Musician, designer, artist. You got a restaurant. This is the thing. You can, if, whatever you spend your time on, you can never get that time back. So if you spend an hour, two hours, 20 hours, on something that's not that core focus, that core part of your business, that central point of what you do. Man, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're just wasting your time. Why like, well, I got to learn HTML and CSS and maybe a higher designer and have, no, you're doing the wrong thing. Do the thing that you're really good at and give Squarespace a few bucks a month and let them create this amazing site. Let them keep everything up to date and patched and upgraded and up and running. You don't want to worry about that. Squarespace.com. Use the offer code QUIT. You'll get 10% off your first purchase. I hear you. You're saying, I've already got a Squarespace. I already used the promo code from QUIT. I already have a, a website. That's fine. Wait until one of your friends, your family members, you overhear Pass someone in a coffee on. shop. Pay it forward, Hattie. When you hear someone saying, Oh, I got to get a website for my business up and running. I don't know how I'm going to do it. It's so expensive. You go over there and you say, listen, it's not. And you take a little single card out of your pocket. And the card will say, squarespace.com, offer code quit to get 10% off your first purchase. High quality card, thick, embossed printing. Take that and you put it on the table and you don't just hand it to them. Don't be a fool. You take it under your fingers and you slide it across the table to them while not you do not break eye contact. You slide it over them and you still not breaking eye contact and you keep your hand on top of the card and they'll be looking at you like they have just been shown the light. 
and they will the look on their face you'll never see that kind of look again and that's the only time in their life they'll feel this kind of joy and then when they reach out to take the card you start to pull it back just a little bit just pull it back just right out of their reach and let them say no no, i want the discount do you really want the discount i said yeah i really want it yeah i don't think you want this discount never mind and start to put it back (laughs) in your pocket and I'll say no, and you'll have them, I swear to God, you'll have them begging you for the discount code for Squarespace. And you say, listen, I don't want to waste this. I don't want to give this to somebody who's not serious. I don't want to give this to somebody who's not 1,000% ready to do this. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm ready. I want to do it. And then take it back out. And this time you put it down and you just, you put your hands and walk away. Just walk away. Don't turn away from them. Never, never show them your back making eye contact the whole way out the door, walk backwards out the door, (laughs) back out to your car and start the car. And even then stay in reverse. Be careful. You can glance up at your mirror, but never let let them see the back of your car as you leave. Squarespace.com. Offer code is quit to get 10% off your first purchase. Just do it. It's not a joke. This is not a joke. No. The binars were a race of humanoids native to the planet Binos in the Beta Magellan system. The binars were shorter in height than most humanoids and were genderless. They had lilac skin and enlarged skulls. Each binar has a, pa- a pa- patch of dark purple hair on both sides of their neck Ooh. and asymmetrical ears. Their most definitive characteristic was that they were interconnected with a master computer on Binos. When a binar was born, a surgeon removed the child's perineal lobe and replaced it with a synaptic processor. They can finish each other's sentences. Oh. So, back to, uh, to this topic. This is a tweet, Hattie. Yes. By Felix Kraus. Felix Kraus. What companies think developers need in an office, Hattie said. Open floor plan, ping pong, slides, yoga. What we actually need, a quiet space with Wi-Fi. That's all a developer wants. You know what? And to be honest, I feel like that's all people doing a job need. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with that. You know what? I'll also, I'll throw in a desk. I'll throw in a desk. Well, yeah, I mean, they need a surface. But I think what he's saying is as long as it's quiet, he can sit on a couch with, you know, good Wi-Fi and he's happy. I mean, all of this nonsense with these open floor plans and super, you know, everyone. Well, and like I was reading an article, a really good article in Wired magazine talking about the new Apple building, the, uh, the, the mothership the new Apple campus, the ring, as they call that building. Right. And one of the inspirations for building that building and designing it the way that it was designed, like, for example, I think, I forget off the top of my head, but I think it's going to have, is it 10,000 employees or six or 12? It's it's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people will be able to work there. Uh, You would think that they would have multiple cafeterias or something like that, but no, they have just one. And the reason that they have just one is because, and and it's far away too, is because they want to encourage people to walk around and go to this big place and meet with other people and bump into people in the halls and have important conversations while they walk and all of that stuff. 
they want to make force people to be social. They want to force people to have those conversations because Apple's belief is that those kinds of conversations are what lead to great ideas. That kind of intercommunication is what leads to openness and innovation. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, but so often in Silicon Valley and in startups in general, you find people get packed into uh, these open offices because really, quite frankly, it can be a lot cheaper to do that. You rent one big room and you put a bunch of tables in it or desks in it if you're lucky. And Also, I think it's like the cool... Uh, the cool mod thing to do, like it visually, like I think, visually, you know, yeah. somebody comes in and they're like, let quit break, let's break up all these offices, let's have everybody be together, you know, for sure. Ugh. And it really, it, it is, it is not the way that most people do not want to work in that way, especially not developers, especially not designers, because here's what happens, and I've seen this over and over, and I bet you guys have too. Over and over and over and over and over again. What happens? Oh, we've got this great open office in here. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Okay, cool. Well, guess what all the developers are doing? Guess what all the designers are doing? Guess what the writers are all doing? They've all got headphones on. And they're focused. They're locked into their screens. And they have to, they now have to listen to music or white noise. Right. See, and then they're blocking out the people that that the other people were trying to let in and everyone's together. <laughs> right. It's completely counterproductive to it. It wasn't long ago on this show, Hattie, that we were reading uh, an article about somebody who uh, they were a writer. I forget what paper uh, they were writing for, but they used to have their own office and then a new management came in and made them move out of their office into a shared space. And they were talking about how oh, much less yes. uh-huh. work they get done. Yeah. And that that's, that's very, very typical. People are going to be dramatically less productive. Yeah, that, you know, it reminds me of whenever um, my friends and I would, you know, my friends would be like, oh, let's go to, let's go study for finals at the coffee shop. I'm like, I don't know how anybody gets anything done there. <laughs> like, I I need a quiet room or I, I'm all over the place. Every time the door opens, I look up and look at the door because I just, I'm curious, I guess, and very easily distracted. <laughs> so that's just not good for me. And it reminds me of that. It's like, if it's that open, it's just people everywhere. Yeah, I know. I know the I've heard the same thing in people who are uh, just the way they're feeling about open offices and, and, and so frustrated by it. Coffee shops, for me, I'm with you. I just can't, can't seem to get anything really productive done in a coffee shop. There were a number of times uh, where we would have like a small team meeting and, uh, and maybe three or four of us, Hattie, would go and we would sit at that one outdoor coffee shop when the weather was really nice. Oh. What is that, Epoch? Yes. And I just remember really enjoying being outside when the weather was really nice, sitting out there. But there, that's a very different from like, I'm in a Starbucks right next to the loud, you know, <laughs> barista tom- tamping down the thing and, you know, using the espresso machine and the that door open. Yeah. <laughs> you and know. the door to the bathroom opening and closing and slamming. And like, I don't know. I, I you know, I, we were, I love a lot of natural sounds. I don't mind the sounds of uh, road noise or city noise. I find that stuff to be quite, uh, comfortable for me growing up in Philadelphia maybe affected that. 
I don't mind sitting outside by a busy street, but put me in a coffee shop with people talking and shouting at each other and grinding of a coffee beans. Like, forget it. I'm out. I'm out. It's just too much going on. It's too much. It's too much. Right, we got to wrap this up or we'll be doing too much. (laughs) So if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. Really? You know how many? We have thousands and thousands of listeners to this program. Almost none of them give anything. And that's okay. We're still doing the show. But we would really, really like to move to uh, having listener support be a significant part of this program. But the only way to do that. Is if the listeners right. and give it give us a dollar. If all of the listeners gave us a dollar, we would be, I would be like, wow, I only need to like do quit and make one other show. Like that's how that's how amazing it would be if listeners did that. One dollar, I support. I have to tell you this, I support all the shows that I listen to, and a couple that I don't, because it's only a dollar. It's a one dollar, one doll hair. And there's other people who will come in. and They'll say, you know what? Uh, we have people who uh, support back to work on wound and road work with five, $10 a month. Well, that's even better. You can support, support what I do here at five by five and on this show and the other programs I do. And it makes a huge difference. So consider it, please, especially if our sponsors aren't interesting to you. Patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Hattie is at Hattie bird. That's me over on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Yeah, everywhere. I've tried to really unify my brand, my yeah. personal brand. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so go check it out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see you again soon.